what's this whole thing about we're not supposed to be eating beef and beefless hamburgers that are made of synthetic ingredients and vegetable-based ingredients? What is this thing about not eating beef? I love beef. Why does Bill Gates and other billionaires who have always lived in the city in the heart of urban environments want to destroy the beef industry? What's the big deal? Do they think this is going to save the planet? Hello, everybody. I'm Janice Christensen, and this is The Tangled Angle. Here on this podcast, we address the tangled angles of conservative American values given to us by the Constitution while using facts and keeping it classy. I am a news junkie with a passion and interest in politics, government, and American history, and I spent 16 years in the halls of the Washington State Legislature from 2003 to 2018, supporting my husband, Dan Christensen, who is in the House of Representatives. Now with this podcast, I'm able to share and discuss what I've learned and experienced along with some historical context of where we are on the timeline of history. These urban billionaires dine in fine urban restaurants, order beef on the menu in expensive and exquisite restaurants, sip wine in luxury. So why are they so bent on the rest of us not eating beef? Who doesn't love a good hamburger once in a while or a really good steak on the grill? I love that smell. Why do they want to destroy the beef industry and try to get all of us not to eat beef? As the popular ad says, beef, it's what's for dinner. First of all, this is obnoxious when someone in one industry thinks that they're the expert in everything else just because they're well known in their industry. Bill Gates is really good at designing and providing computers to the world and building a multi-billion dollar technology company. But the fact that he wants to comment on the beef industry and even had an effort in 2021 about dimming the sun because of the climate crisis. I covered the climate crisis or this perceived crisis in podcast number 31, but this is just silly. This obnoxious arrogance really hacks me off. Well, I don't know if I can say that because in the tagline of my podcast, I say that I'm trying to keep it classy. There's an example of extreme hubris. You know, I was trying to think of some examples. And, you know, say you have a large manufacturer of light bulbs and they get the harebrained idea of approaching a dairy farm owner and think that they can butt into their nose into someone else's business and make all sorts of comments about how the dairy farmer should run his business. They're just way out of their league. Or say you're the mom of three kids and another woman who's never been married or has even had kids wants to comment about your your marriage and your parenting skills, how to train your kids, how to tell you how to parent, how you to teach your kids, where they should go to school. This is just the arrogance and the ultimate of hubris. It's maddening. It's arrogance at its finest. And why we even allow these billionaires to comment about a business that they know nothing about is ludicrous. Just because he's a billionaire doesn't mean he knows everything and we have to hang on his every word and kiss the ring. So this really hacks me off that billionaires of the world want to get out of their league and start to comment about another industry. My husband and I raised beef for years and we always had a few head of cattle in our pasture for our own consumption and we enjoyed this amazing protein for dinner quite often. We gave it away to family and friends. It taught our kids how to care for animals and how to keep something else alive. And we ate beef a lot. We have our whole lives. 
In fact, one dinner I remember when our kids were young that we were all sitting down to a T-bone steak dinner and our kids are like, oh, steak again, because we ate so much beef. However, now one of our sons in Idaho sells beef to the individual and family market. So we have had firsthand experience in the beef industry and the history of the beef and cattle industry here in America is a long and successful one. American history and success, why we've achieved what we have as Americans, and the health of our population is largely due to improved diets and access to amazing food since the 1700s. And part of the success is that we as a nation eat beef. In our American history, you can trace back that the Spanish brought cattle to the Americas through Mexico and starting with Christopher Columbus himself on his second voyage in 1493. I talk about Christopher Columbus and this amazing man in podcast number 20 that I did for Columbus Day. However, Columbus brought cattle in 1493 from Europe to the New World. The trend continued with the Spaniard Veracruz and Portuguese traders, and then later in 1611, the English brought large numbers of cattle to North America, specifically to the Jamestown colony where the settlers first landed. The French and English colonists continued to raise cattle throughout the eastern portion of North America, throughout the development of the colonies, and through the Revolutionary War. And then after the Civil War in the mid-1800s, cattle moved west. In the west, cattlemen found that some of the Spanish missions already had large herds, and by the 19th century, cattle were primarily raised in the west, where traditional food crops were harder to cultivate. Cattle grazed on native grasses and were moved in cattle drives to feedlots where they were fattened up. So a lot of the cattle were on grasses and, and rangeland, which aren't really suitable for anything else. In the mid-1800s, Chicago, I thought this was so interesting, Chicago was the main focus point for the trains that carried the, the cattle that were slaughtered and shipped via refrigerator cars to the east, where the majority of the population was, which was Chicago. And these trains landed in Chicago, where the stockyards and slaughterhouses were, and that is today why we have the Chicago Bulls, as a basketball team. It's because of the cattle industry of the 1800s. So we have a long and deep history with beef in America. And interestingly enough, when I was reading up for this podcast, I found that Bill Gates is one of the largest farmland owners in the United States. Gates and his wife, well, now his ex-wife, own 269,000 acres of farmland. As a side note, you know, I thought, okay, 269,000 acres of farmland. I also know that the Chinese, according to Politico, at the start of 2020, the Chinese investors owned about 192,000 acres of U.S. agricultural land valued at about $1.9 billion here in the USA. Chinese land ownership in the United States is less than other foreign nations, but this growth in Chinese land ownership of American farmland is very concerning. China is starting to buy up other countries' farmland for more than a decade across the globe. This should be more of a concern selling our own farmland to China than trying to get the USA not to eat beef. Anyway, that's a side note I found. But according to the land report, Gates owns 242,000 acres of farmland 
and this land is spread throughout the south, midwest, and west with holdings in 19 states. They have the most land in Louisiana and Arkansas. Locally here in Washington state, Gates and his ex-wife paid almost $171 million for over 14,000 acres of farmland in the Horse Heaven Hills of Benton County, Washington. This is near the Tri-Cities in eastern Washington, according to the land report. So this whole thing about Gates not wanting us to eat beef is really hypocritical because he himself owns farmland. This war on beef is purely political because nobody wants to destroy the beef industry except environmentalists and their friendly billionaire friends who think with all their money and pride, they can somehow save the planet. The average American consumes about 80 pounds of beef per year. And the United States has a population of more, about 330 million people. So this is about roughly 24 billion pounds of beef per year consumed in America. This is a huge number, but this number doesn't just represent what we're eating. It represents cattle growers, feedlots, the trucking industry, the food industry, the refrigeration industry, the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry, and many more industries I couldn't think of off the top of my head. It's just not about what we're eating. It's also about supporting many industries in the United States. And this affects almost every single person in America who has eaten beef just in the last year alone. The beef industry is one of the most stable and earliest, most relied upon industries in our nation. There are 94 million cattle in the United States, which is about one cow for every three people. And in the world, there are approximately 1 billion cows in the world. So we don't even have the most cows as a nation. The USA ranks fourth in a list of countries that have a cattle population. More than half of the world's cattle live in India and Brazil. Of all animals to raise, beef are low maintenance and high yield compared to other protein producing animals like lamb, pork, and poultry. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, nearly half of the lower 48 states are, is grazing land, range, pasture, hay, and grazed forest. Or just about half of the United States land mass is for grazing. And a lot of this grazing is located because it's, the land isn't suitable for anything else. Properly managed grazing is one of the most energy efficient ways of producing food and fiber. If you use and enjoy clothing made from wool and shoes made from leather and all sorts of basketballs and footballs and a lot of recreational products, this is all produced from the animal industry. I also read that many wildlife species and birds rely on grazed lands for habitat and food. There's 1.9 billion acres of land in the continental United States. And like I said, about half is used for grazing and to grow the feed for livestock, which is about 127 million acres. You know, this is really interesting about what goes on in America. And if, you've, if you live in an urban environment and rarely travel outside of suburbia, that is really not representative of America. My husband and I took a road trip a few summers ago and we drove from Western Washington across to Northern Minnesota and back. It was about 3,800 miles round trip. And we went through Washington, Idaho, Montana. <laughs> it took us three days to get through Montana, North Dakota, and Minnesota. And then when we came back, we went through South Dakota, Montana again, 
and Idaho, but a different route. And between western Washington and northern Minnesota is cornfields, wheat fields, and Black Angus. Thousands of miles. We even drove by about 50 to 100 miles of just sunflower fields. And this was what we could only see from the highway. I want you to know that if you drive across America, it's a really big deal when you get to a town and a gas station. America is very, very huge and very beautiful. So on with my land usage. About 36% is forest land and about 25% of America is cropland, which feeds both humans and cattle. Just potatoes alone, there's over a million acres of potatoes in the United States that are grown every year. That's just potatoes. Grazing animals eat plants that cannot be digested by humans and many other animals and have the advantage of producing food and fiber with little expenditure of fossil fuel or energy. So we get a lot of our food and fiber from animals and these grazing cows convert vegetation to protein for us. For instance, cattle convert plants to food, medicine, and other products for people. Meat, milk, leather, wool, and mohair are well-known products from grazing animals. Cattle products are also used in pharmaceuticals, produced from non-food parts of the animal, and natural fertilizers come from animal bones, non-muscle parts, and manure. So the use of animal products today is so diverse and widespread that it's impossible to live in modern society and not support the animal industry directly. Fat makes plastics, tires, crayons, cosmetics, lubricants, soaps, detergents, cough syrup, contraceptive jellies and creams, ink, shaving cream, fabric softeners, synthetic rubber, jet engine lubricants, textiles, corrosion inhibitors, and metal machining lubricants. That's just from the fat of a cow. Cattle collagen is found in pie crusts, yogurts, matches, banknotes, paper, and cardboard. Cattle intestine are used for strings for musical instruments and rackets, tennis rackets, racquetball rackets. Bones of cattle are used in charcoal ash for refining sugar in ceramics and cleaning and polishing compounds. And I haven't even got to the medical and scientific uses. There's much, much more. Nothing is wasted. So the cattle industry isn't just about eating beef. It goes deep into the American culture in the American products that we produce. I was reading an article in National Review by Wesley J. Smith. He's an author and a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute's Center on Human Exceptionalism. And he comments on the ridiculousness of Bill Gates, and he says about him, Gates' plan would devastate rural America. Not only would those involved in the raising of beef cattle and eventually all meats be driven out of business, but food processors, growers of feed grain would also be devastated. This is an authoritarian mindset and one of a man who thinks he should rule the masses. So I thought that was a great comment by Wesley Smith in the National Review. But it wouldn't just be the lives and well-being of rural Americans. Doing away with cattle would upend major industries throughout the economy. These examples are why we cannot let the experts and the billionaires and those inflated with pride, thinking they have godlike decision-making ability, to decide the future of the beef industry in the United States. The catastrophic economic and social costs imposed by Gates' scheme 
to eliminate bovine flatulence and beef from the American diet would be a very high price to pay for the assumed and misled benefit to the environment and trying to reduce greenhouse gas emissions or whatever else he thinks it's going to accomplish. These harebrained idea of the billionaires to think they can alter the Earth's atmosphere and climate by getting rid of cattle is ludicrous. If it's someone's intent to weaken, disable, and destroy a nation and its people, one of the best and most effective ways to do this is to limit their access to food, limit food production, and in extreme cases, starve them. So let's all go out and support the cattle industry this weekend and have a good steak or hamburger. Let's eat beef. Beef is good for us, good for our bodies, and good for keeping America strong. And it is one of the main protein sources of the American diet. So let's eat beef. If you like this podcast, please hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you listen on. And please share it with a friend. Thank you for listening. Now I'm going to go start the grill and prepare the T-bone steaks we're having for dinner, raised in the hills of Idaho by Crisco Farms, our son's cattle business.